How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode with me, Nick. As always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronnie. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday night. It is Monday. So we're recording a day early this week because there's no Springbok team release on the Tuesday. Well, we're not releasing a day early, but I suppose when you're listening to this, you'll, you'll know that. Yeah, well, I guess you'll know it because we're not going to be able to cover the disciplinary hearings that are happening, but we will get into those a little bit later. Yeah, just follow the socials and you'll get all the... Yeah, you'll get all the updates for that there. Ronnie, pretty good weekend. We started Friday off at our mate Shane. If you guys will remember Shane, he was on, on season one. He represents SEDS in some of the doping cases, so it was good to chat with him. But yeah, we had a lack of bride at his place. Yeah, I needed it. I have had hell of a week. I have been packing up my house. Yeah, you're, you're leaving Pretoria, hey, Ronald. Yeah, I'll be, if, if the quality dips a little bit, I really apologize, but we'll be recording over the interweb. It's going to be lack of where you're off to, Ronnie. Bit of Spain, bit of France, just so happened to be there during quarterfinals, semifinals, so who knows? Yeah, that's going to be really lack of, I'm bloody jealous. That's, yeah, yeah I'm. That's a bit of an understatement. Yeah, actually. for those that don't know, we actually have day jobs, right? So I think this is a bit of a surprise to some of our fellow content creators. We are formally employed in industry, and I'm actually just quit my job, so I'm going to be fun employed. Fun employed and exploring the big wide world of Europe. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I think it's going to be lack of it. I mean, Rani, let's just talk about this weekend. How great did it feel to wake up on Saturday morning? Knowing that your team had had such a glorious win. No, usually you wake up on a Saturday, you got a bit of nerves because you got the game in the afternoon. But how brilliant was it to wake up on a Saturday? No, you still have two whole days of the weekend left and you pumped the All Blacks the day yeah. before. I don't know about you, but my coffee tasted pretty damn lacquer. Yeah, amazing. For sure. So, Ronnie, on that note, Friday night, big win for the Springboks, but we only got to Brian at about 10 o'clock. Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised around the bride going, oh, so late. It's a little bit late in the evening. Shane's, Shane's, Georgie, Shane's wife actually went to bed and we were still brying. Yeah, so quite a lack of one. Obviously, we'll have to get used to this with the World Cup in France because a number of games are in kicking off at 9pm. Yeah. But maybe if it's not a school night, we'll be able to bry a little bit earlier. For sure. Ronnie, should we dive in then to what happened between the Springboks and the All Blacks at Twickenham? Yeah, oh, jeez, it's great being a Springboks fan at this point, but uh, I don't think we need to be getting too ahead of ourselves. No, for sure not. So shall, this... we, shall we put it into perspective a bit, right? Yeah, well, firstly, our score against the All Blacks, 35 Springboks, 7 All Blacks. Cam Roygaard scoring the only try for the All Blacks in that one. Yeah, a bit of a dampener led. Really would have liked to have held it to being scoreless. Yeah, something that's not been done in the professional era. Yeah, no. I mean, as Ronnie said, we need to put this in perspective because a bleak day for the All Blacks is a 28-point loss to the Springboks. That's one of the worst in there. Actually, the worst loss in their history. Which, quite frankly, is unbelievable, right? I mean, we it's the darkest day in All Black history. And like you said, it's a 28-point deficit. only 28 points. I mean, many teams, Australia, England, South Africa, Wales, Scotland. You know, these teams that have been hammered by way more than 28 points. Yeah. And... uh, it's because we hold the All Blacks to such a high standard. And when they hold themselves to such a high standard, that it's such a sad day for them. And, and really, it's, 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 it's not the worst loss. No, I mean, as you say, you know, we hold them to a higher standard. Win against the All Blacks is the ultimate. Everyone's chasing that. That's One point win against them is more than is for all of us. They're the team that everyone's been hunting for years. So to get a victory like this is great. But we can't forget what they did to us, Ronnie. And as painful as it is to speak about, 
we suffered a 57-0 at their hands. And a 55-10 like a week earlier or whatever yeah. it was, I can't remember. But we've had, we've had massive losses against the All Blacks. You know, you've heard Eben Etzebeth say it and Chasing the Sun, you know, or whatever it was that, you know, this can never happen again. Yeah. You know, and, and we've come right since then. We've had some losses as well, some disappointing losses. We've lost to Japan. Yeah. Right. And I think, as you said there with Eben saying, you know, this can never happen again. Adi Sevilla probably said the same thing to his boys. He's like, boys, this can never happen again. And in all honesty, I wouldn't want to be France after a speech like no, that. No, no, and, and I agree with you. As, as, as good as France actually is, and I do expect them to do exceptionally well, the All Blacks are hurt. And, and we often talk about you don't underestimate a wounded Springbok. I think you don't want to, I'm glad we don't have to play the All Blacks at least for a couple of weeks. Though. Yeah, I'll let them work off the steam that they're going to yeah, have. They are going to be sweating on the training field, licking their lips, ready to get on the field and prove people wrong. Absolutely. Ronnie, let's go right to the beginning of the game. So we're chilling, having some drinks, and up comes it on Supersport. 7-1 split for the Springboks. First time it's ever been done. Billy LaRue turns out he had a bit of a rib rattler during the week, and he hadn't bounced back from that. Someone had given him a bit of a, a cheeky tackle. He will be fine and fit for the World Cup, but just they didn't want to risk him. And Quaka Smith coming onto the bench. Yeah, so clearly there was a strategy from, from Russ Narba. You know, we're not going to replace it the back we were here to experiment we're here to warm up we're here to give our forwards enough game time in leading into the world cup slap another forward on the bench yeah i know we heard you like forwards we're going to give you another one seven of them quibus reinach the only replacement back on the bench he eventually made his way onto the field at wing but ronnie let's pretend for a moment we're all blacks players you've been taking a pounding for 40 minutes you've just come out of the change room for the second half the box have scored another try and you look to the side of the field and see seven Springbok forwards all warming up together, coming on in the 47th minute. Your whole pack being replaced other than Peter Steftatoy at the same time. Yeah, it's got to suck. Yeah, may fork chaw. <laughs> it's, it's really got to suck, right? Because you're getting, you're getting drilled by the Springboks. They're exceptionally physical. You've lost a prop to flesh wound. You've suffered two cards in the Sam Kane and... Scott Barrett, right? And then Scott Barrett gets a red card as well. And he threw hell. And now seven fresh physical monsters run onto the field. Yeah, then Peter Steff, the toy, gets a yellow card. But does it really matter? He's the only one that's played 40 minutes already. So they give him an extra 10 minutes off, cool down, and then come back on and, and dominate again. Ronnie, that flesh wound on Tyrell Lomax, though, looked pretty bad. Eh? 30 pretty bad. stitches that he received in his 30. leg. 30. Yeah. Unbelievable. So they talk about the plastic blades yeah. that the players are wearing these days. Yeah, and it's the second All Black to suffer something like this this season. So definitely a worry. That's not something you want to see in the game. And I mean, in your leg like that, it's not much and you can really cause some, some proper damage to somebody. Infection and all of that, you know. So, But look, still flesh wound, I think, is a little bit better than you know, damage to ligaments or bones or something like that. It takes a long time to heal. So I think time is on their side. And... And Lomax will, will recover, obviously. Yeah, they're not sure if he'll be available for the French test after uh, how deep that gash was. It was deep, and I saw the pictures on socials afterwards. I thought, wow, that's, I didn't see it at the time, but afterwards I thought, no, it's a, it's a pretty deep deep tissue damage. Yeah, so obviously the, the All Blacks, they had a, a pack that they relied on up until in Bombella, and we can call it the before Jason Ryan period, and then post Jason Ryan period. They've really given De Groot and Lomax 
a lot of go forward for the All Blacks back then to start in the front row. And both of them took a hammering on Friday night. Yeah. And both looking to, or Ducrud also looks like he's carrying a bit of an injury after some of those scrums went backwards. Yeah. The Springbok scrum was exceptional, right? It was very physical, right? You could say that, yeah, the All Blacks, maybe they were holding something back, whatever, sure. But you don't, when you get pushed back in the scrum, it's not because you're holding something back. It's because you're able to push forward or stand your ground. They were being hammered. France, yo, what a yeah. legend. Tried to move me my herbert. That's going nowhere. Yeah. But it's definitely a position the All Blacks don't boast great depth in. And they'll be worried about that with the likes of Una Antonio set to face them in the World Cup opener. Ronnie, let's just talk then about some of the, the statistics of this game. So the All Blacks missing 19 tackles. That yeah. was a, that's a lot. No, they were definitely... I don't know what it was. Something something didn't quite click there because we were dominating them so so much physically. Right, that they were unsure about the tackles. They weren't committing. They weren't fronting up. Maybe they were a bit scared. Maybe they had one eye on the World Cup and a little bit scared. And you know they were very rattled. And I mean, you even saw it when Aaron Smith, you know, wayward pass in the in goal area. Sam Kane had to dive on it for for South African scrum. They were scared. Yeah, they were absolutely rattled. But I think no statistic proves that more than the fact that they conceded 16 turnovers. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. If you concede 16 turnovers against France, you're going to be looking down a 15-0 scoreboard very, very quickly. You know, DuPont loves to loose ball and quick ball of the opposition. Ronnie, also 14 penalties given away. First eight penalties in the game were given away by the All Blacks. Yeah, so that that was also quite telling. I mean, we were we were sitting around the TV going, "Oh, we've got so many penalties and we're not getting any points for it." But but you're right; it was repeat one 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 penalty after the other, and it was shocking because the All Blacks are tend to tend to not be penalised that much. I don't want to say their discipline is their discipline. You could say is actually better than most, right? Because they do get away with it, right? But uh, they are. Wizards of operating in that grey area and, and not giving away stupid penalties, which they did this weekend. So I think there's two things we can branch off and speak about here. And the first one for me is Sam Kane. So he's the All Blacks captain, probably not the captain many would have thought. You know, a lot of guys thought Sam Whitelock was the, the guy who would succeed or follow on from Kieran Reed. Sam Kane getting the role. And it's becoming a bit of a trend with him that in the big moments, he dishes up a yellow card. It's the second time this year already. Well, it seems like it's, you know, they're not used to being put in those positions. And, and it's exactly why I feel Scott Barrett lost his mind a bit. You know, when you're desperate, you want to you want to prove a point. You want to fight back. And then you go and make a stupid decision. Had they just stayed a little bit more calm, had, you know, the likes of Sam Kane potentially just calm the guys down a bit more, you know, it could have been different. Yeah, I think, you know, from your leader, that's not something you want. You, you really need to keep your head down because if you start doing silly things and giving away the penalties, what are the guys that are supposed to be following you going to do? Yeah, yeah. Ronnie, equally of concern for me, though, is the fact that it took the Springboks 18 minutes to score their opening points. Yeah, but I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the Springboks. I mean, it is the All Blacks, right? It is the All Blacks, and we hammered them, and they defended exceptionally well. What was it? We said it a couple of times on the weekend. It's Jock Niedelber's favorite iconic term that he said that he that he said was uh, 
<coughs> superior discontent. So, <laughs> it sounds like sharks, right? Next you know, <laughs> <laughs> an, un, an unwavering ability to stand your ground. And I think the All Blacks, we need to give them credit for that. The opening 20 minutes, they stood their ground, wave after wave from the Springboks. The thing is, though, eventually that damn wall will break. You know, also the All Blacks are the kings at getting under the ball once you're over the try line, hey? Because two held-up tries, twice we got over their line and we weren't awarded points. They managed to hold us up. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the goal line dropout. I no. think it's it's not just reward for all the effort it takes to get to that point of being held up. I was a big fan of the five-meter scrum. Ronnie, something that I'm going to say now that's going to have a lot of our listeners up in arms and possibly you too. I think we score faster in those first 18 minutes with Vili LaRue on the field. Taking nothing away from Damien Vilimsa, but very often you see Vili organizing the space out wide, calling for the ball out wide. Whereas Damien was coming in and edging closer and closer to the ruck to take a crash ball. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you. Of course you are, but you don't know anything No, and I'm going to disagree because you play a different style of rugby on the try line, right? It's tight. It's crash ball, right? So I would agree with you, and I do agree that Vili is a is a wizard at marshalling the outside backs and the space out wide. Sure. Had we been outside the 22 and, and, and starting our attacks from there, sure. But we were very close to the try line. And then it's, then it's not time to be swinging the ball. It's, then it's time for our big forwards crashing it up, keep, keeping it tight. I think when you've put that much pressure on, maybe it is time to send it wide because clearly for 18 minutes that tactic didn't work. Well, we often say you've got to earn your right to go wide. And if the All Blacks aren't committing players, you can't send it wide. Well, they are also two players short. True. True. It's just a theory. Obviously, I mean, horses for courses, Damien was doing what he felt was right in that position. I just feel like Vili does run the wider channels a little bit better. Yeah. Look, Vili, people have said it. My friend said it, you know. We often look at the who scores the try, but Vili's usually the guy that sees the space and gives the assist, and he knows how to read that space very well. We also saw Damien Vilimsa drift one one time a little bit too far before offloading to Mapimpu, then knocked it on, but perhaps Vili would have straightened a little bit earlier, and things could have been different. But look, I'm not taking away from Damien. I think we ticked a lot of boxes in those 18 minutes. We were, we were tested. Tack was tested, and our patience was tested. Absolutely. And- Look, credit to the boys, you know, once they turned down the first two kickable penalties to stick with it, really put that pressure on. I think they came to dominate the All Blacks forwards. And on that note, maybe just to look at some of the, the stats around the forwards in this game. So we won six scrum penalties, which is massive. Unbelievable. Very, very impressive. But more interesting for me is the fact that we stole five lineouts. Yeah. yeah. So this is in stark contrast to the situation when we took them on in New Zealand where we didn't contest the lineouts at all. Yeah, absolutely. I don't really know what to make of that. Right, so we said that perhaps earlier in the year, we, we kind of wanted to see what the All Blacks would do with good clean ball. But we competed now this time around, and, and I don't know what we were trying to achieve, right? So it worked. Whatever we did, it worked. It was fantastic. Great. Cool. But why we would compete this time around and why we were so successful, I mean, just credit to, the, to our locks. Yeah, credit to the locks, they really got there. But something else our pack did very, very well to get penalties out of the All Blacks was just delaying bringing down the jumper the perfect amount of time. Yeah, a lot of early engagements from the All Blacks. Exactly, they were getting ready to stop our mall, and I think we predicted that, and we held the jumpers up just a little bit that they weren't letting them get to ground before making contact, giving away penalties. 
I've concerns to the All Blacks will be how long it took them to adapt to that. You know, other than what goes on in the front row during a scrum, I also find quite challenging to to referee the lineup in situations like that because it is very difficult to go up in the air but not come across and not die jump across and not make contact with the player in the air and then early engagements doing them all. That's very challenging to to police. But we seem to get the, the rub of the green right when it came to that and, and the All Blacks got knocked hard. And it's just unfortunate that a lot of those penalties happened right in front of their try line. And we know what happens then. If you give away three, four penalties, then suddenly you're on an official warning and the ref's going to penalize you harshly. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we, we played it perfectly. We had the ref in our pockets there. Some Kiwi listeners are going to take that out of context, but we did. We really we played perfect rugby in those minutes, I would say. Ronnie Fafterklerk missing five tackles in this game and conceding three turnovers. Did not know that. I also must say I felt like he was a little bit slow in distributing the ball in those first 18 minutes. Well, look, that hesitation sometimes adds to things. So if you're, if you're at the base of a ruck and you hesitate that moment, you know, that's, that gives... That often results in the opposition coming offside, right? So I'd like to see what the stats are in that regard, but I don't know how we could get hold of that. But sure, if you say that Faf was a little bit slow, he wasn't somebody that I, that particularly stood out to me, and I, I didn't really see him have a terrible game. No, I wouldn't say he had a terrible game, but I would have liked to have seen Kurvis well, or Grant. Five tackles. Yeah, when you look back at the stats, maybe. But I would have liked to have seen like a Grant Williams or Kurvis Reiner. Mm. in those first 18 minutes because they like to snipe they like to send the ball quickly you know it would have been interesting to see Ronnie Peter Steftatoy making 16 tackles he's really looking like he's back 16 tackles and he sat for on the bench for 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> it's impressive eh? that man has a big engine honestly when he was sitting on that chair it looked like he was close to tears and I think Rossi Rossi told him that don't worry chin up you know it's an error that you've made but you'll, you'll be okay. to the best of yeah, us well. <laughs> Then, Ronnie, a stat that's also just as interesting to me. Adi Sevilla making eight carries for a total of 2.8 meters. No, really? <laughs> How oh, ridiculous no. is that? Makes 25 centimeters per game. So, for me, that stat out of all of them wow. paints the biggest picture of dominance. Wow, wow, because he's a good ball carrier. And Adi Sevilla is an immense player. Yeah, wow, that didn't, I don't even know what to say. That's yeah. shocking. That 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 really surprised me. Lastly, while we're still on the topic of the forwards, Malcolm Marks now officially the most points scored by a forward, scoring his 17th try. He was equal with Skalkberg on 16. He's now moved ahead there. And he's played most of his games off the bench, right? So yeah. that's very, very, very impressive. Ronnie, Arnie Lebok. He shut a lot of his haters yeah, he really did. Right, so we gave him a lot of crap about, I think justifiably so, we did give him a lot of stick regarding his kicking, and he just proved us wrong. Yeah, he proved us wrong, 100% kicking rate this weekend, but it wasn't just that for me. I felt like he controlled the game this weekend. I really feel like this was the first solid performance Marnie has really put in. and I think he performance. Will, right? Yeah, and I think he will really take a lot of confidence out of this. No, and he deserves all that confidence, right? And we saw against Wales, his distribution was fantastic and everything was great against Wales. It was just his kicking that was a little bit of a question mark. And he and he did did exceptionally well. I mean, Swayze to Brain, I listened to Swayze and he did a bit of an analysis on Marnie's kicking and it looks like Marnie has squared up to the ball a lot more. So you'll see kickers often going 45 degrees on the ball, 
some people come a little bit more head on to sort of protect the groin, you know, repeated kicking can lead to injuries. But what Marnie's actually done is he's come more square, more towards the 90 degree. So, and that seems to have helped him control the ball rather than pull it or, or, or even fade it out. Yeah, so very, very good from him. And I really do believe that Marnie brings something different to the Springbok team, something we haven't had in the Fly Channel for quite a while. He's actually a fly half that's better suited to 15-man rugby as opposed to what we traditionally see as Springboks as 10-man rugby, yeah. right? So it's, he's not a Mornay Stain. He's more a Richie Munga. Yeah, he's got a few more arrows in his quiver. quiver. There we go. Ronnie, then lastly, let's have a chat about that center combination of Andre and Kanan because, oh, well, look, we can say it. We've said it. Our most difficult team to pick at this point is the Springboks, right? Because... There's an argument to be made for a lot of players in a lot of positions. I love Damien Derlinde and I love Lucania I'm at centre, but you know the centre pairing from this weekend actually worked, right? Andre Esterhazen, let's get that out of the way. He's a brilliant 12. Absolutely insane, the quality he brought to that jersey. Fantastic, he, so he, physical. If he hit me like he hit Richie Moonga, he'd still be sleeping. Now, yeah. He'd still be sleeping. Yeah. Uh, and then Kanan, right? We know that he's had some experience in his domestic rugby at 13. And uh, But they gave him a shot at test level against the All Blacks, right? He hasn't played 13 for the Springboks yet. His first top, first chance to play 13 is a starting role against the All Blacks, and he played fantastically well. We know he scored that try that was disallowed. We counted as a try, right? It would have because been a try, one of the contenders for training. It was, yeah. it was very close. It was fantastic. When you saw him run, he wasn't, he was, I would have liked him to have seen him pass, perhaps, sure, but... He was confident enough to make contact with two players and break the tackle from the 413. And also just remember that intercept and quick offload that he threw as well. He immediately intercepted and immediately offloaded. Yeah. It, right? it's that instinct that, that kicked in and it shows that he was comfortable in the position that he found himself in, which is fantastic to see. He's perhaps the France stain of this era. You know, France stain, so. 19 years old, playing yeah. for the Springboks 07, makes a name for himself. Kanan does that at 13, perhaps. And, you know, he's playing with that same calmness that we often praise Lukanya Am for yes. in that 13 channel. But, Ronnie, I just have to say here that I wrote an article in the week saying, you know, this is a big test. This is something we've not tried before. These are two players that have never been a combination. We're testing it against the All Blacks because if they can do it against the All Blacks, they can do it against anybody. They can do it against anybody. And now we've gone from a position where we know Jesse Creel is our 13 going into the World Cup. and having zero clue about what comes after to now knowing shit we've actually got two solid center pairings in our squad going into the world cup no in our squad going to the world cup and then we've still got luke and you said exactly. sitting at home right and and ken is going to learn so much from luke as well and don't forget you got damien that can also slot in and slot. damien apparently can yeah well damien Willemsa, damien Willemsa can slot in at 12 or 13 as sure. well so we've actually got five and they mentioned that damien delinda can move to 13 as yeah. well so a few weeks ago, we were a little bit concerned about our depth at 13, but I think that there's promise. And I'm not going to, uh, I'm going to leave it at promise, right? I won't say that we comfortably found our depth because there's a lot of experimentation perhaps still coming. But exactly. What we saw here was an experiment. It was not our starting center pairing. No. And a wild experiment. Speaks for itself. Ronnie, just quickly then before we go on to the next stuff, guys, if you're listening to this now, on Sunday, if you tune in on Instagram at 10 a.m. South African time, 6 p.m. for the Aussies and 8 p.m. if you're in New Zealand, you'll catch me, Max, and Lackey. We're having an Instagram live session. You guys will be able to ask some questions. We're going to preview the World Cup. 
chat a little bit about the warm-up games that have gone by, make some predictions. And I do believe that Lackey will be downing a tin after the bet we had that he lost. Because does, 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 Lackey, sure, does Lackey listen to these podcasts? He does. Ah, so, okay. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. That's Scrum Bags, and that is the black jersey. Yeah, guys, so it'll be lucky if you could tune in there. We'd really look forward to having you on that. And then Ronnie, friend of the show, Jacques de Blanche. What a legend. So Jacques de Blanche, you apparently are a listener here, and we really appreciate you. And we'd like to give you a t-shirt because we actually do feel very sorry because you made, you highlighted to us that every chance we get on this podcast, we like to remind people that the Blue Bulls lost to the Griffins. I don't, I don't know if you heard. May fuck, John. I did, yeah. And thank you for reminding me this week, Jacques. And that's why we're here. We're providing a service to everyone. So, so Bulls, Jacques. Yeah, the so, Bulls lost to the Griffins. They lost to the Griffins. But Jacques, look, we just got to say, the Bulls are my second team. My dad is a Blue Bull, so I do like them a lot. But, but, uh, Jacques, we've got your contact details. Drop us a message. Give us your address. We'll send you a t-shirt. Yeah, thanks very much for that, Jacques. So, Ronnie, let's hop over then to the game that made my weekend better than I thought it could be. We're finally moving on from... Yeah, 26 minutes later. <laughs> <laughs> England, 22, 30, Fiji. You've got to feel sorry for the English. No, no, no. We love our Fijian listeners. All of you guys yes. listening to us from Cebu, Fiji. No, absolutely right. Look, from a Fijian perspective, well, bloody die Absolutely Legends. stoked for you guys. You deserve it so much. Honestly, I think Fiji is probably my second team now. Yeah. So England calling it a tier two nation. I think they need to consider what they consider a tier two. Yeah. Because, well, look, Fiji is what ranked eighth now, seventh now in the rankings. And justifiably so. They played some good rugby. It's a shame that they don't get more rugby. I mean, we spoke about the number of games that they played. I think they're 15, maybe 16 now and since the last World Cup cycle, which is atrocious. Come on. You look at France, they played 40, South Africa now 38, Ireland 38, but the Pacific nations do not get enough game time. But I'd be, I'd be very scared if they got as much game time as the traditional tier one nations. So, I mean, last week I said against France that Fiji looked really good with ball in hand. It was their set pieces that really let them down. This weekend they fixed that, hey, and that's really what got them ahead of England. They even went behind right at the end and managed to make a comeback to win the game. Fiji's showing some real good BMT. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe now just to go back to my opening comment, I, I don't feel maybe so. We love to watch England lose. Sorry to any English listeners. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's not many of you, but England's a team we, we all love to see lose, right? Yeah. Well, we love to beat, right? Let's, let's not say see lose. But I feel sorry for Courtney Laws. Yeah, I'm a huge Courtney Laws fan. I really, really enjoy watching him play. 100th test and that's the last that you suffer and what do you say and it's not just this it's it's now a spate of losses it's 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 back to back to back losses it's not good in the england camp yeah and then what do you say to motivate your boys going into the world cup there's not another warm-up they are going into the pool they're going to fight to have to get out of their pool and they're in a bit of trouble yeah so ronnie like you say there i mean england have lost five of their last six test matches which is horrendous but even worse, they've conceded 23 tries and only scored six. Yeah, that, that paints a picture of a team in disarray. So you made a comment about uh, one of those tries that they scored, scored yeah. by. So Anthony Watson gets injured. Johnny May, who was not included in the squad, then gets called up to the squad and included in the game this weekend. And he breaks their drought. They haven't scored a try with their backline since the 12th of March. And 
scored by Johnny May, the player that was left, left out. Yeah. That's a little bit of... Up, that's an uppercut, the selection. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Both is giving himself an uppercut there. Potential ban coming out of this game now as well for Joe Marler. Really looking like ill-discipline creeping into that English side. Probably as a result of extreme frustration in what's yeah, going well, on. Well, we spoke about it in the All Black game as well. When you're desperate, you lose your head a bit. And that's potentially what's happening here. Frustration, desperation, you know, whatever other adjective you want to use, you're not going to make smart decisions. Yeah, this is true. So, I mean, Rani Fiji have made it to two quarterfinals in the World Cup before. This is their first win over a tier one side, though. That's surprised me. But again, like I said, give them more game time. Yeah, and absolutely. you better start quaking in your boots because Fijian, I mean, they dominate the seventh circuit, right? Those guys know how to swing a ball around and run, tackle, be physical, and be relentless in their attack. And if they could just have more game time against, you know, the traditionally big nations, I, I don't want to use the tier, tier one, tier two, because they are clearly not a tier two nation, right? Uh, perhaps England is a tier two nation. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely shed a tier or two. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, but you know, imagine how good Fiji's going to be. Imagine how good Samoa is going to be. Tonga, if they just start getting more involved in more competitions, playing against the likes of the Springboks, maybe a tour out to the Springboks. You know, maybe the 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 Nations Cup, what's what's called the. The global tournament that that's said to be kick off in two years' time. I can't recall what it's called now, but yeah, if they get more yeah. exposure there, maybe this makes the argument for them being included with the rugby championships. Well, sites. absolutely, Ronnie. You know, Fiji, very very impressed with all of them, but I think I just need to have a chat and vent about this Eddie Jones firing because this is possibly the biggest blunder English rugby ever could have made. So let's just look at this. November last year. England lose to the Springboks. We completely annihilate their scrum. Next minute, Eddie Jones is being fired by England. But by firing him, they have to pay him a million pound severance fee. Not only do they pay him a million, round, a million pound severance fee, they also don't prohibit him from joining another side. So Eddie gets a nice fat paycheck and they let him go off to Australia and take that team to the World Cup now. Even worse, now they want to get Borthwick in. Borthwick is in a long-term contract with Leicester Tigers. They have to pay the Tigers a million pounds <laughs> to release Borthwick from his contract. Can I make it even worse for you, Ronald? It can't get any <laughs> It really can. Not only did they sign a contract with Steve Borthwick, it has no exit clause for performance, and it's valued at £700,000 a year for five years. Oh, my word. Their only way out of this is appointing a director of rugby, someone like Steve Diamond or um, the French attack coach, his name escapes me now, Sean. You know, they, they really need to do something here because Borthwick is not up to the task. Well, look, Borthwick, I mean, it's tough for us to come eight months in before the World Cup and achieve something, right? So the odds are stacked against him already. By giving him at least a five-year contract, they are looking towards the World Cup in Australia. Unfortunately for... Steve Porthwick, a number of other teams seem to also be gearing towards that World Cup, you know. Australia seem to like they are going to be the ones to really watch out for. But yeah, that's very shocking. They uh, England really <laughs> messed up there. No, they did. And then also, Ronnie, what do you make of Borthwick speaking out against the players and their silly celebrations? No, so explain that to us. So they, the situation now, and there's a number of videos currently going viral on social media of specifically Mario Toje. Jamie George and Ben Earl 
celebrating things like an Irish skew throw and uh, winning a small penalty. And they go absolutely ballistic, like they're winning a World Cup final. And it's just a penalty. And then they're still going on to lose these games. So Borthwick called the players out saying, you know, they won't get selected again if this is how they're going to act on the field. Then our good friend, old Sir Clive Woodward, coming out and saying, you know, this is ridiculous because instead of looking, you know, can we take a quick tap? Can we kick quickly into the corner while the back three of your opposition's not set? Taking these opportunities. They're celebrating, wasting time. Exactly, and not focusing on potential opportunities. And that's where you're seeing players like DuPont really excel because they're catching guys off guard so quickly. DuPont is so quick to react and the rest of the French side when something like this happens and then it's the complete opposite in the English camp. Look, your team's got to be dominant. You've got to be strong. You've got to be performing well. And once you once you get into that position, then you can start celebrating these little wins because you are you need to be in control. You just, you, like you say, you've got to stay focused and uh, not get ahead of yourself. Yeah, absolutely, Ronnie. But I think that's enough ranting about the English. Let's go over to Murrayfield where the Scotland got a 33-6 win over Georgia. So I don't think that Georgia had a particularly terrible game. I think Scotland are playing out of their socks right now. Yeah, Scotland are on fire. It's going to be a huge game when we open the World Cup against the Scotland. A game we absolutely cannot underestimate them in. They are going to be very hard to beat. Scotland, though, struggling a little bit in the first half. Second half, they really kept it up. Again. No, sure, absolutely. So they go through dips and stuff, but look, they're also experimenting. They're also they're also building towards. They also got a bit of momentum and. Look, it's, it's hell of a pool B, right, with Scotland, South Africa, and Ireland in there. I think one slip-up can see slip up going home. And I, would, I, would, I don't want the Springboks to get complacent after their dominant win against the All Blacks. I want them to, to understand, put into perspective their win against the All Blacks. But look forward to Scotland and know that this is going to be very, very difficult to win. For sure. They really are a huge threat to us. Honey, who got more out of that game, Scotland or Georgia? No, definitely Scotland. Look, I want to. I'm sure Georgia took away some learnings out of there because they've got a pool that they could potentially get out of. Right? Let's not. We we can talk about that in a moment. But Scotland, for sure, they are perfecting. They are practicing. They are repeating. They are rerunning. They are gearing. Let's not kid ourselves. They are looking towards. The Springboks licking their lips and saying, we're ready for you. Yeah, if the Scotland pack can hold the box forwards, their backline is dangerous as anything. I don't think this game is too much of a downer for Georgia. They really built up some nice momentum in their previous fixtures. Yeah. Little blips on the radar. But as Ronnie pointed out, you know, they really are in a pool that they could potentially get out of. It's not, it's not unrealistic. No, for sure. Ronnie, over then to Italy versus Japan. It was a game I was quite looking forward to. Italy getting a 42-21 win over Japan. A little disappointing the Japanese side at the moment. So did we talk about which teams we felt have, have done poorly in the last World Cup cycle? Was that with you or did I just... Yeah, it? we did. We did indeed. I think Japan, Italy have come a long way. Let's, they've shown some promise in the Six Nations. They played well at the end of tour last year. And, you know, I think we need to give them some credit, sure. But I think on the other side of the coin, Japan have not done as well as they did in the lead-up to the 2019 World Cup. It's a little bit disappointing, I think, in what, you know, that they, they I would, would have thought that they would have drabbed Italy, you know, and they haven't. And Italy absolutely dominated them, I felt. 
Yeah, Yoani scoring himself a hat-trick there. Kapuozum bagging a man of the match performance. Japan, positive they can take out of it. Michael Leach successfully returned from injury for them. But yeah, definitely the team that seems to be slipping a little bit from the expectations in the quarterfinal they played in in 2019. But with that said, Japan still don't write them off. It's hard to really gauge where they are actually at at the moment. Yeah, they're in a pool and they're on that side. And they can really do something, but we'll get we'll touch on that in a moment. Ronnie, Ireland 17, 13 Samoa, just four points in it. No, and Samoa had it. They were right in it. Ireland kicking the ball out at the end of the game. They, you know, they were relieved to come away with the win there. And again, imagine if Samoa, like uh, like the rest, had you know forty odd games in the last World Cup cycle. They would be so dangerous. Yeah, great to see Lima Sapuaga pulling the strings there for the Samoans. You know, this this rule change really has allowed us to see more quality players come into the World Cup now. Guys that wouldn't have been eligible to play for the Pacific Nations are now there. It's really great. Well done to Samoa. But yes, as we predicted, hard-hitting Samoans. The whole time we've been talking about Ireland having a injury-free squad. Now, and very sad because it's a player I really like, Kian Healy yeah. ruled out of the World Cup. 125 test cap loss to the Irish. No, it was very sad seeing him on those crutches, for sure. And I, and I think Ireland desperately, well, maybe not desperately, but Ireland need him, right? He's, he's really like the equivalent of losing a beast or someone in, in the lead-up to 2019. Exactly. And I mean, they've already got two hookers sidelined, Dan Sheehan. Not sure what the position is with him yet, if he'll make it back in time for the opening fixture of the World Cup. He will still play a part, though. But yeah, a risky, risky thing to take on. You know, 13 wins in a row for Ireland now. So make of that what you will. Small win, small margin, but they have one hell of a steam. Built up one hell of a bit of steam heading yeah. into the World Cup. No, for sure. We spoke about it last week, right? So 13 wins. If these guys make it far into the World Cup, then uh, you're probably looking at a record run of wins there. Yeah, if they win their pool, they'll equal the record now. 17 wins. Yeah, correct. Right. So let's, let's hope because, right, 17 wins. A lot of teams have tripped up there. England. South Africa, New Zealand. <laughs> Perfectly time for a quarterfinal exit. <laughs> Perfectly time for a quarterfinal exit. I see where you're going with this, Ronnie. Smart man. Smart. <laughs> They've got a lot of records to break to get out of the other borders. Yeah, so also Ireland naming their World Cup squad today. No real surprises there. Unfortunately, Johnny Sexton was named as captain. Yes, he irritates me. Officially, his ban is done now. Ronnie, let's then take a quick hop over. Spain getting a humbling at the hands of Los Pumas. 62-3. Argentina dangerous. Argentina dangerous. I thought Matera had a pretty good game for them. I thought Cadera's out on the wing as well was pretty impressive. And you know, Los Pumas really could top their pool. Yeah, for sure. Okay, I don't, I don't, you can't take much out of this. The fact that Argentina managed to score 62 points, I think is a tick, tick box exercise. Right? That I, I feel it was expected. Yeah, no, I also feel like it was expected. Ronnie, then we have France versus Wallabies. Big victory for the French, 41-17. I did something drastic on Super Brew and I picked a, a two-point win for the Wallabies. <laughs> I thought go for break, it might see me top the pool. I was in third oh, place. I don't think that was as much of a dumb decision as me backing the All Blacks on Super Brew. Yeah, well, stupid me got the default pick on Friday night because I was too busy enjoying a whiskey and some, some snacks. Forgot to make my pick. Ronnie... The influence of Anton Dupont is unreal in that French side. He's lethal. He's lethal. 
And you know what? He may not have that telepathic communication that he does with Intermac, but him and Jalibur. Yeah, I actually watched the game, and this is something I wanted to bring up with you because we spoke uh, about it on Friday night. You made a comment a couple of times to me, and then also to our host, Shane, on Friday, saying that it's a big loss Intermac and DuPont. But I agree with Jalibur and, and DuPont. Oh, they were, like you put in the notes there, lethal. Yeah, they were absolutely lethal. But Ronnie, everyone raves about DuPont being the best player in the world. They're forgetting about another player in the French side who, for me, is without a doubt the best player in the world at the Paul moment. Willemse. Paul Willemse. Paul <laughs> Willemse. <laughs> Loyal to the South African breed there? No. Damien Penal. Okay. That guy is lethal. And I'm telling you... We've used the lethal, word lethal a lot now with the French. So. Because it is exactly what they are. 21 tries. He scored two tries in this game. Give that man the ball and... Magic. Magic. It's unbelievable watching him play. And another two players who are huge for France is Ramos and Jalibur. Their kicking ability, you know, that's slotting something over 50 meters for Jalibur. Ramos just doesn't miss a kick. And then Jonathan Dante. He is immense in the centers. And Gregory Aldrit is probably their most crucial to the cause forward in that side. Yeah, crucial, sure. But I think, uh, what's, what's, what's the flanker slash winger name? McCallum. McAlew. He's crucial, right? Because he, he, he provides that 6-2 split plus a safety net, right? So, yes, I, whilst I agree with you, Aldrit's fantastic. I think uh, the French have, have turned that 6-2 split into a bit of a science. Yeah, with DuPont, you always just have to watch the fringes. The yeah. moment you lose focus there, that guy's gone and he's past you and your fullback's hoping he's got someone to help him cover. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to, let's not take away from the Wallabies though, right? So uh, they managed to hold off the France for certain periods of the game. A very inexperienced, a wild Wallaby side that had that showed some good glimpses there. So look, they're not going to face France just yet. They're going into the pool of their own and they could cause an upset. Tanele Tupo comes out and he says, you know, they didn't want to give away too much from the World Cup. I feel like that's a bit of a silly statement that Wallabies really haven't shown us anything. Five losses. They, they really don't have anything to give Yeah. So they're really going to need to kick their World Cup campaign off with a win and try and build some momentum before the playoffs there. Ronnie, Carter Gordon had a terrible day at the office at 10. What do you expect? Young Flav. But now this brings in a question over Eddie's selection of not taking another fly-off. No, that was poor. I mean, look, <laughs> Quake Cooper. He should be there, right? He should be. That's there. a bit of a bold call to leave him at home, but yeah, look, Eddie's clearly got twenty twenty seven on the in his eyes, and at Vietni, what more is there to say? You're expecting a lot from Carter Gordon, who's just started. Yeah, that's true, and you know, Eddie likes to say, "Back your young ten, that's how you get them good." But this seems like it may be taking it to a little bit of an extreme. Ronnie, how's Super Brew looking there? How badly am I eating? <laughs> so. Okay, let's just let's get the top three out of the way. So in third place, we've got Sean, 28.75 points. Uh, and that is, that's Sean so much. All right, so he's a South African supporter. In second place, Dev RK, 29.5 points. It's Devin Gerwin. In first place, we've got Khotlip. He was there last week, Iron Fenter. Did he make a come up from second place? Yeah, I did move around a little bit. But Dev RK, Khotlip, you guys, they've both been up near the top already. So Khotlip. He, he actually... He's our superest of Bruce. Superest of Bruce. But uh, between you and me, who's the most super of Bruce? So I went first last week. It's your turn. All right. So and I'm, I want to see your screen. Okay, so I'm fourth. 
Both what? From the bottom. Both, from the top. I'd like to see your screen, please, Ronald. All right. Tell me where you are. 781. Ronnie, I'm almost equally as shit as you, but I came 714th. There we go. <laughs> so, yeah, well done to the 700 plus people that did beat <laughs> us in the pool. <laughs> see, I'm learning to get around the maths issue. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, come and join us on Superbrew for the World Cup. I think our pool has just topped 2,000 players, which will be pretty epic. Pool code is SMOGDEAL. It's plastered all over our socials, so you can check it there. And some pretty epic prizes up for grabs. Ronnie, Springboks now moving over to Corsica. Pollard and Lucanio Am leave the side. The 33-man team will be there before they move over to Toulon to set up for the Scottish game on 10 September. What do you think their focus will be in these two weeks? Look at Scotland, 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 Scotland. That's a banana peel. And the Springboks can slip there. Let's let's make sure that we... Why are you smiling at me while I'm... Because I have something ridiculous in my mind. No, okay, well... So they are focused on Scotland and not slipping. So now let me hear what you... I think that every single morning at like 4.30am, Russie's in a kilt with bagpipes going through the hotel corridor, waking them all up, making them hate the sound of the bagpipes. Making them okay, active. now I know where you're going. Yeah. We heard from Beast that before the World Cup final in 2019, Rassi was playing videos of the English army taking on the Boer War and the Zulus and <laughs> all of that. So I wouldn't put it past them to feed them some haggis and blow the bagpipes around in the corridors, really pissing the boys off two weeks out. All right, that would make sense. And Rassi can definitely not play the bagpipes well. <laughs> yeah, that's going to make it that much worse. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was having a little chuckle while you were talking there, Ronnie. Do you have the world rankings for us? Yeah, so world rankings, I find that this, I find the world rankings very, I think it's an important, you, you need to interpret the world rankings for what they are. It's not that if an, eighth place team plays the second place team that they can't beat them right that the second base team is that much better it's it's a show of recent performance right in the lead up to a match where are they on the rankings is a good show of how they are performing currently currently all right so there's some interesting interesting ones so i'm gonna go it's we'll start uh for the sake of it let's do 14 so in 14th japan 13 italy at 12 we've got samoa 11, Georgia. Now things get interesting. So 10, we've got Wales. So Wales are Wales, eh? Okay. In ninth place, we have Australia. In eighth place, we have England. Sorry, both, what? Both of them moved down, right? So, and both of them are ranked below 80, right? Isn't so English the team of the England team, the one with the biggest budget? You know, the one that invented rugby. Yeah. Yes. And then what? Eight. Eight. Sure. Fiji moved up from ninth to seventh. So well bloody done. Yeah, well done, Fiji. That must be their highest ranking ever. Uh, I believe it is. Argentina up to sixth. Scotland. Okay, and then there's a bit of a jump from Argentina in sixth to Scotland. For a whole f- almost four points in the rankings to Scotland in fifth. And then there's another jump to the top four. So then the top four, New Zealand in fourth. France in third. South Africa in second. And Ireland in first. So it's actually unbelievable that three of the top five are in Pool B. And the other two are in Pool A. Three. Scotland, Ireland, and uh, Springboks. Correct. The top five in Pool A and B, and three out of the top five will not progress past the quarters. Yeah. That's... And no, two of the... Yeah, three of the top five will not progress. And one of them is going to go out in the pool. That's unbelievable. Yeah. A bit of a shambles there with the World Cup draw. Funny, did you see? Francois Hochart. Hey, baby. Two the Sharks. Hey, baby. 
<laughs> I don't know if anyone remembers that video of him and Morley yes. all those years ago, but that was priceless. So yeah, he's linked up with the Sharks. Oh, that's great. Great for the Sharks. Yeah, absolutely. They will need some scrum half cover with Jaden and Grant with the Springboks when the URC kicks off. Ronnie, Bulls beating Namibia 43-30. Not a good look for Namibia ahead of the World Cup. Not a good, not good look at all. Then, you know, Dan Bigger says he's retiring. 15 years he's played for the Dragons. Oh. On that red jersey. Two British and Irish Lions tours. Well, with the recent uh, retirings that have been taking place, I was quite shocked when I saw the headline. I thought, oh, my word, before the World Cup. Yeah, I also thought it was before the and World Cup. And then to realize it said after the World Cup. But sure, after the World Cup, perfectly fine. We understand he's, he's, he's played well. He's been a great servant to the, to the sport. I don't get why you would announce this now, though. For me, it doesn't make sense. Like Beast wins the World Cup and then announces he's retiring. Yeah, but maybe it's a case of you don't want to... Yeah, actually, I don't know. But I will make a rubbish comment. Then Cheetahs, 31-27 Western Force. That's a bit of a tournament going on in Bloemfontein. Right, the Toyota Challenge. The Toyota Challenge. So, so I believe, and I can stand to be correct, that each game in the Toyota Challenge is worth 250000 and they're four correct. games overall. Correct. So if you win four games, you can get a million bucks. Yeah. Pretty much that's what, how it's So the working. Cheetahs beat Western Force, which I saw it on TV, I was fell off my chair. Yeah, well done to the Cheetahs. We love the guys down there from the fray start. Good to see them notching up a win over the Aussies. Ronnie, then I saw that World Rugby's released this new streaming platform. Yeah, that they have. So I think by now you will have seen that World Rugby and Rugby Pass have released a, uh, a streaming platform, right? Like you, like you say. So I downloaded it. Apparently, you can watch World Cup games on it live. I'm not. So that's we're still waiting to see if that's true. But you know, like uh, some of our local service providers in South Africa, might be in a bit of trouble there. But you know, I had a look at the app. I watched an old game. I watched South Africa versus Italy just for fun while I was supposed to be working. And and yeah, look, it's, it seems like a legit app. It's I haven't found a bug yet. Yeah, well, that's great to see. And like you say, 1,000 Rand for DSTV may not be worth it if this free streaming platform really does show the games that we want to watch. Let's not slate DSTV. We might want them to sponsor us. <laughs> also true. Also true. Rani, then Salman Murad being named Stormers captain for the URC. Yeah, fantastic. Good on him. Bit of a surprise for me considering the players that they have there. But well done, Salman. You, good luck leading the boys into the URC. Yeah, and he's been on the fringes of the box as well. So, look, uh, broad future ahead for him. Yeah, absolutely. I remember watching him in Varsity Cup and thinking, he's this guy's a unit. Yeah, yeah. Then next week, we're bringing you a lacquer episode. We've got Belinda coming on the show before she heads off to France. Belinda will be doing an Instagram live for us. She'll be taking you guys behind the scenes there in France. She'll be attending the Springboks vs. Ireland, Springboks vs. Scotland and Springboks vs. Romania games. So you guys will get some lucky insights from her, and she'll be taking over the channel a little bit. And that's a wrap, guys. And Bills, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player, but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bry while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it up. Light the bry, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday.